everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies presented to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Wiles, and today we are going to break down the season. We got some fan questions towards the end of the episode, but first, let me check in with my co-host, Ethan, and then we'll get started for today. Oh, man, I can't believe that we're one week away from kickoff. We're recording this one week away from kickoff. It's crazy to think that you and I will be watching NIU football one week from now. We are going to be wrapping up, hopefully, a W against Buffalo at this time one week from now, like I've stated. So it's good to be back. We've gotten our fill of college football for a few weeks, but now it's time to, uh, you know, as the song says, return, return of the mech. Oh, baby. And I think, uh, I mean, by this point of the episode, you'll understand that you didn't hear the marching band and that will be the intro for this episode. But it is what it is. We're going full hip hop today. It's obviously right out on the hard way. But Ethan, you couldn't have put it any other way. The season is back. The season that we thought we were never going to have. The season that was, you know, canceled, postponed. We couldn't, you know, not necessarily figure it out, but we couldn't get all of our ducks in a row as a conference to make sure that, hey, our players, our coaches, our communities, our student athletes are all going to be safe during this time. Right now, like you said, we're one week away from the NIU versus Buffalo matchup in our very backyard. Uh, Obviously, no fan attendance, so it's going to be unfortunate that the stands won't be roaring and we won't be able to hear it from our from our back porch or our family room. Go. Hey, hey, those cardboard cutouts are going to be rocking. Yeah, and, and Ethan, you couldn't have put it any better. They, they still got a lot of stuff going on at NIU. They're doing the Huskies Invest program. And then obviously, you know, if you're, you're a, cutout, a cardboard cutout guy, they have been selling those. I believe they're like $60 a pop. You can either put yourself or a picture of, you know, somebody, you know, somebody famous. We asked, uh, was it Nick Routine last week or was it Brett? It was Brett. And uh, Brett wanted to, uh, Brett Post had the fullback at NIU wanted to do Aaron Rodgers as his cutout. So maybe you could think of someone that you want to put in the stadium, maybe yourself. But Ethan and I, like I said, we got a season to break down. And honestly, like we said, it was the season that we did not think we were going to have. So we are grateful to have a six game season. Ethan, do you have anything real quick before we get into the schedule and, and the teams? No, I mean, I think this team is very underrated. I think that there's a lot of you know, negativity surrounded by this team because of how young it is. But, you know, we've seen, we've talked to coaches, we've talked to the players, you know, all of our our listeners have heard the same thing over and over again. This team is ready to go. This team, obviously, uh, you know, no pun intended, this team is juiced up. This team will come out firing no matter if there's, you know, zero people in the crowd or, you know, 20,000 people in the crowd at Husky Stadium. This team's going to come out it's going to be a fun game to watch come next Wednesday night against Buffalo. It's a whole new NIU football team. I think that, you know, you and I have seen it from, from our doorstep. It's, it's, it's a complete different energy. It's a completely different vibe around DeKalb. And it's, it's really unfortunate that this team doesn't have the ability to show off in front of fans. Oh, well they do in a sense though, because, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast, we love our match in those midweek games are always aired on ESPN and next week's game against Buffalo will be on ESPN two. I believe it's a 6 PM kickoff. Am I correct? Yeah. Six o'clock ESPN two. So that's pretty big lights for the first game. You know, coach Hammock's second year here with the program did a great job recruiting here in the 2020 season, came on the show a couple times to talk about the work that he's been putting in during this downtime We also had Coach Jackson and Coach Eisens to come on and talk about their offense and their defense, some of their key players. But today, it's our time to shine. We're going to get into our key players. We're going to get into season predictions. We're going to break down each and every game, some key players from each team, some things that these teams did good last year, and and what kind of to expect from this NIU team in this six-game season. And something that we've talked about on this podcast and our Notre Dame podcast, Irish on Tap, One of the strangest college football seasons in recent memory. There's a lot of unexpected things happening. This past weekend, Penn State lost their season opener to Indiana. Something that nobody probably thought would happen came down to the absolute last play. There's been upsets left and right in college football. And Ethan, like you stated, this is an NIU team that right now, all the Twitter suits and all the talking heads have kind of on lower on the pecking order in the MAC conference. But one thing that they don't remember or you know, tend to forget is, you know, we're one of the winningest teams in this conference. They seem to always find a way, even when they're counted out. This is a team that is literally built on the hard way. That is, that's our mission statement. That's our motto. So, I mean, 
as much as me and you can talk about it or they can talk about it, you know, nothing will come to fruition until we see it out on the field. Well, I was going to say, too, I think one thing to really keep your eye on this year, and with it being a six-game max schedule, it really is a stepping stone season for this football team with how young it is, with how much, it's all, like I said, you're going to figure out what kind of team you have. Obviously, you're going to lose some guys. There's going to be some some changes going into next season as well, but you're really going to get a taste of what the future of NIU football is within these six games. And I think that it's unfortunate that we don't get to see the full slate. You know, the schedule is loaded with a lot of good opponents pre-COVID, but, you know, these six games in-house, in-conference, they're going to prove a lot for next season, just as much as it means a lot to this team this season. Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, that goes understated is – it's a six-game sprint to the MAC championship. If there ever was a year to literally snatch the MAC championship, like not to say it's going to be any easier than years past, with a six-game schedule, you definitely do have an advantage. Or like Coach Hammock also said on this podcast, you do have a disadvantage. If there's an injury, there's a good opportunity that, regardless of how serious it would be in a you know 12-game season, you could be missing a significant chunk if not the whole season. So that's one thing we need to make sure for our players' sake, they stay in good good shape and, you know, ahead of those small injuries that they can stay in control of. But Ethan, like I said, you know, just a couple seconds ago, it's a sprint. Normally we're stretched out over about four months. This is a one month and eight day season. So it starts November 4th and it finishes on December 12th. So Thoughts about that? I know, obviously, with everything that's happened this year, we saw shortened seasons in baseball, basketball, hockey, football. In the NFL is the only one, I believe, to not go to a shortened format. Knock on wood. Hopefully they don't have to. But with this schedule, do you think there's any like innate advantages or disadvantages outside of the injury that, with it being six games? I do think that there is a smaller margin for error. I think that you know we've seen it, like you just stated, with Penn State. There's going to be... We're not talking college football playoff for any of these teams, but the MAC championship is obviously the end goal for each team going into this season. And like you said, it's a sprint. Those teams that found themselves on the bubble last year are going to have to find ways to get out over that hump, get over the top of that. NIU last season, obviously, you know, tough year. It's a rebuilding year with a new coaching staff, but in a year that, you know, we were excited about from the minute the clock hit zero last year. You know, we wanted to kick off right away because we knew this team was going to come back and be stronger. So I think that, like I said, this, the, the margin for error is smaller. Every game counts. Every snap of the ball now counts even more because six games, you're talking cutting plays in half, cutting play counts in half for guys, especially for guys who want to make it to the next level. I mean, their plays are cut in half. So every play is going to mean that much more to these players because of where they're at and you know the the group of five and how limited players come out of the group of five and we see that it's not you know it's nothing too surprising but you know we want these guys to go out and go into the pros and these snaps mean so much more to those guys yeah and I think one thing that we'll see from a lot of the players in the group of five conference after this year is the use of that extra year of eligibility but there is also a select amount of players that are in their senior years this year and they're not going to want to come back for another year of college football unless they absolutely know they're not going to get drafted or they just want to hang it up as a football player in general but to get into the schedule like we said you know we start next week on Wednesday against Buffalo last matchup was the 2018 MAC title game where NIU, as you guys all know, came out victorious 30 to 29. Following that up the following Wednesday, they're going to be playing against Central Michigan. Last year, Central Michigan put it on us 48 to 10. Following that, it's going to be the last Wednesday game of the year. It's going to be against Ball State at Ball State. Ball State, a little bit of a clunker last year in the rain. I know Ethan and I left at halftime and we woke up from a nap because we had a couple too many beverages at the tailgate and it was 27 to 20 ball state. And it was like a wild comeback. Obviously no explanation on the second half because we did not watch it. But that first half when we left, you could have told me we were going to lose that game a thousand times or until you were blue in the face and I would have laughed and we saw the result. So they have somewhat of a bye week worked into the middle of the season, similar to how NFL teams play on Sunday or play on a Thursday. You get that extra little bit of a bye week after the Thursday night game. They're at Western Michigan. Last year, as you guys know, they they pulled off the senior night victory, 17-14. Rainy night here in DeKalb. 
to start their December schedule. They are playing against Toledo at home, last home game of the season. They beat Toledo 31-28 to last year in the famous Ross Bowers game where the cheap shot occurred and, you know, Ross came away from the game with a concussion. The last game of the season is at Eastern Michigan, where last year Eastern Michigan and Mike Glass III put it on as 45-17. to Ethan, thoughts on the opponents? Thoughts on kind of, you know, some of these opponents we saw last year, but there is kind of a heavy turnover, and we'll get into that when we get into these rosters and the key players from each team. Yeah, the thing that interests me right away is the the middle of the, the pack there with Ball State, Western Michigan, and Toledo, all games that we either had won or, you know, had taken a lead late into the game and, and couldn't capitalize on some some mistakes and they couldn't find ways to win the game but you know I think that this is like I said a completely different team obviously we haven't seen Buffalo for a year now that's going to be uh, a new team to come into DeKalb Central Michigan like you said that's uh, a game that probably leaves a sour taste in your mouth and as they come to town you gotta you gotta defend your turf against that one and if I remember correctly Central Michigan game last year was also kind of like that snowy cold rainy game not not really sure if I remember that one correctly but no no that one was uh that one was at Central Michigan so no it was it was probably cold as shit but or it was probably That's what I'm cold. Saying. I think it was at Central Michigan but it was cold rainy snowy things like that I I remember that had some contributing factors to so that 48 to 10 beatdown, but no, I really think that there's some some big opportunities for this team to capitalize, and it starts with Buffalo right away. But you and I both are big preachers on this. We go one and zero each week. It's Buffalo. That's all we talk about for the next week, and I know it's the same way with within the Chessick Center and within the facility at NIU as well. We're huge one and zero every week, guys. Everybody, do your job. Take care of your one on one or your one of one. But just to get into some of our own roster returning players, losses and additions. Uh, obviously, at quarterback, we're going to get started with Ross Bowers. Tight end Daniel Crawford, he'll be back. Expect him to play a big role. Ross Bowers at quarterback. Uh, honestly, I think is one of the most important roster pieces on this team with them being such a young team and the experience that Ross has and that he had, you know, playing at at the University of California prior to this is just something that's going to bode well for the Huskies in this year where we lost a lot of upperclassmen last year. We had some of our remaining upperclassmen transfer and things of that nature. So it is, like you stated earlier, Ethan, a relatively young team as far as a college football team can go. Uh, at the wide receiver position, you know, they bring back Cole Tucker. On the offensive line, Braden Patton. D-line, Weston Kramer. On the defensive backfield, Dylan Thomas over there at linebacker, Kyle Pugh. And the punter, Matt Ferentz. I kind of just grabbed one player uh, from each room. And then as far as those guys, I know we've had a handful of them on the show, but as far as the upperclassmen and the returning contributors, how do you feel about them on this team this year? I couldn't agree with you more on Ross Bowers. How can you go against a new dad? He's expecting a kid soon. Congratulations to him. I know that was some off-season news, but one thing I was looking at when I opened this up and was looking at the show notes here was just the names across the board of the players that are returning. Ross Bowers, Daniel Crawford, Cole Tucker, all special names on that offensive side of the ball that will help move the ball down the field and of course you can't count out the offensive line Braden Patton leads that charge just that name alone stands out and you know we've talked about how good this offensive line is and how good it's improved but all around this team it just looking at the our key returning players right here just excites me a lot because of how much talent is coming back and how much leadership there is in this room or in this locker room and how much of these younger guys are going to benefit from this season because of that Yeah, and to throw a running back in there, I know I uh, left the running back out of the key returning players, but our guy, Rondarius Gregory, uh, someone who earned his scholarship in the offseason, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and someone that Coach Hammock is very highly of and spoke very highly of on this show. I know that's going to be kind of a running back by committee room, so I'm very excited to see all the different key components that they have. And then in the receiver room, too, I mean, there's a lot of young players, uh, guys like Mohamed Toure, guys like Michael Love. Guys like Masai Travis, you know, there is a lot of good young receivers. Our guy, Dennis Robinson, that's kind of who I'm expecting to be their possession receiver. I think he has the best size as far as any of the receivers on the team. But I'm excited to see the steps forward that this offense takes in this season. And like we've said, you know, in a six-game season, it's it's not going to be a season where you are allowed, you know, week one or week two to have a dud. you got to hit, you know, the field next week running you gotta you know you can't afford to take any weeks where you have stuff not to work so 
fully trust the coaching and the players on this team to go out there and make that happen. I mean, honestly, Ethan, like you talked about, just, you know, whenever we're doing our stuff around town or leaving the apartment or leaving for work in the morning, we hear them, we see them. You know, I've watched a couple practices from the balcony or over socially distanced from our side of the parking lot over where we live at. And I just honestly, the energy, the juice, the way this team is, you know, presenting themselves, I think it's actually laughable how hard teams are undervaluing them right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one guy you just shared, I think, a post the other day about, uh, I believe it was from Dennis, and, you know, he's just another guy that's going to be making plays this season. And, man, I'm just excited to see what Ross Bowers can do this year. It's going to be a big year for him, and those receivers are going to pay off big time from the throws that he's going to make this season. Ross, the feds want to know when you want to come back on the show. Just hit our DMs when you get to this point of the episode, my guy. That was so solid. Oh, my God. So solid. I think we need to have him just the Huskies on tap, Mike, like every week. Yeah, uh, we just get him mic'd up. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. Honestly, shout out to uh, I'm not sure who's been handling all the social posts and all the social clips with NIU football, but whoever you are, you've been doing a great job. And if you would also like to come on the show, the DMs are open for you as well. But to get to some of the key losses for this NIU football team for this past year, obviously we lost our guide to uh, McKelty Williams, safety, friend of the program. Running back Trey Harbison transferred over to Charlotte. He's been doing pretty well this year. I think he has a handful of touchdowns already. Defensive lineman Jack Heflin transferred over to Iowa. Matt Lorbeck transferred over to Iowa. Antonio Jones Davis, uh, we lost to the, you know, the next level. He played actually, I believe, yesterday for the Spring League. I don't know if their game was on Fox Sports 1, but I know his team does have one game that will be broadcasted. We also lost cornerback Jalen McKee, you know, son of former Bears fullback Jason McKee. He transferred out. Quarterback Marcus Childers, I don't believe he landed anywhere on his feet yet, but I'm sure he will eventually. And then quarterback Mariano Valenti transferred to Temple, followed in the foot steps of coach Rod Carey. We lost Mitchell Brinkman to South Florida and CJ Perez also rode out to Temple to be with coach Rod Carey. So thoughts on some of the key losses and how they were kind of filled by coach Hammock through recruiting not only players that were from the high school level and also other college level players. It just seemed like every day for a good month and a half, Coach Hammock posted the same picture. Uh, I don't remember what exactly it is, but the same picture he tweeted every day when we got a new commit. It just seemed like he pulled one in every single day for a solid month and a half. And I think, you know, despite a lot of these losses, you know, whether it was to transfer, whether it was to whatever reason, you know, that stuff happens when a coaching change happens. I know we talked about it when, you know, the questions were brought up. It seemed like a year ago, but it was probably, what, three months ago. So, you know, I think that that was expected coming into this year. And you and I both said when the name started to drop that they were leaving the program that it was coming. So, you know, you look across the list there, obviously Trey Harbison is a big loss, but, you know, he's, like you said, doing big things at Charlotte when ESPN got his name wrong week one. But, you know, shout out Trey for, for doing big things. And we saw Mitchell a few weeks ago against Notre Dame. So um, I think like Coach Hammock talked about too, he was able and their, him and their coaching staff were able to fill these spots and they saw the talent in these guys and they were able to go out and get them. And this team is going to be dangerous for years to come. The, you know, the thing at the end of the day is, you know, in college, it's not necessarily a rebuild because, you know, you're only going to get these players for four to five years at a time. And that was one thing that I was actually sitting here uh, watching when I was watching Notre Dame on Saturday. And, you know, now that, you know, we're big NIU guys now and, you know, we cover the team, we're huge fans. It's great to just throughout the years, like remember people that you watch play college football and not everyone gets to go on and play in the NFL, but it's great to see guys go on and do other things in whatever field that they may be passionate out about outside of football. So I think that's like one of my favorite parts about watching college football, the NFL kind of similar, but a lot of those guys, not a lot of them, but some go into media, some go into business, some do other things, but I think it's a lot more admirable for those guys that, never made it to the NFL or never made it to the CFL and still went on to do great things in their professional career. And a lot of those guys can attribute that back to football. Uh, but as far as the people that left, like you said, Mitchell Brinkman, he, he actually, uh, he was on the screen over here. I think it was on Friday night against Tulsa. I know South Florida's doing, they're having a down year, but he was making some good catches. I think he had like two or three first downs in a row. Can't really do much if the quarterback's not getting you the ball. That's kind of the tough gig over there at the tight end position. But 
Other than that, uh, from the addition standpoint, like you said, Coach Hammock was very busy in the recruiting process. He got a lot of people to transfer here from other schools, and he did a good job overall as far as 2020 and a good job on 2021. Uh, some of the key additions to kind of sure up some of the uh, some of the spots we lost at quarterback. They got former uh, Washington State and Eastern Mississippi Community College quarterback Connor Neville. They got Houston Baptist quarterback Andrew Haydit. Uh, running back Javion Ducker, who I believe was Mr. Football in the state of Kansas this past season. Uh, defensive back Woodley Apollon. And then one person that I added to this list uh, just due to recency bias, but Wide receiver Trayvon Rudolph from Crete Monet High School in Chicago. That is the athlete that you saw last week on NIU Socials who caught the football with a scholarship on it and he didn't even realize until he got back to the huddle. So like I said, love that attitude. Love that. He's just used to making that play and uh, it was no big deal to him. And then another guy too uh, that's been talked about on this show by a couple of the coaches that have been on is, is running back Aaron Collins. So thoughts on the key additions that may not be all making an impact this year, but are definitely needed, especially some of which in, in a depth aspect. Yeah, right away. I mean, I was going to say that you look at these guys right away and you talk about you have two quarterbacks in there and then you also throw in two running backs as well. So obviously Ross Bowers coming back for his last season. Don't know if he's going to come back for the, the final season next year, but either way, Connor and Andrew both have experience, whether it be you know, smaller school at Houston Baptist or, you know, as big as Washington State. So you're, you're talking about a lot of experience in that quarterback room and the same thing with the running back room as well. Javon Ducker is going to be a guy to watch this season. And like you said, Trayvon Rudolph, already a guy who's just used to making plays regardless of the situation. It was, what, six o'clock in the morning. He's just used to making plays whatever time it is, whatever is on the football, whether it's a scholarship, whether it be a thousand dollars, who knows? He's making the play. He's not even going to look at the ball. He just cares about the touchdown. So, and that's, I think, one big thing that resembles the hard way about this team is they just go out, they make plays regardless of the situation. Yeah, and, and disclaimer, we're not LSU. There will be no thousand dollars attached to the football. Uh, you know, I mean, the extra incentive. You know, I mean. <laughs> well, I guess you could say there was a thousand dollars attached to the football, but in the form of free tuition and books. So, I guess cut the cake however you want to have it. Yeah, hey, I mean, hopefully it's a little more than a thousand dollars at that rate. But <laughs> yeah, but, no, actually, hey, yeah, we, as students, we should know that it's a lot more than a thousand. Wait, Trayvon Rudolph <laughs> caught a pretty expensive football, and he didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Trayvon. Uh, I actually know one of his high school coaches uh, from my time in semi-pro, and you know, with arena football and stuff. But enough of the additions, the losses, the returning players. Let's get into this schedule. So obviously, we know next Wednesday we open up six o'clock at or not at against Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo finished last season 8-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in the MAC. They returned 16 starters. Some of the players that they returned include running back Jarrett Patterson, who finished last year with 1,799 rushing yards, which is good for a program record. Quarterback Kyle Van Trees, who went 6-2 and two after quarterback Matt Myers went down early in the season. Wide receiver Antonio Nunn. Defensive back Tyrone Hill, who's an all-MAC safety. As a team, they're returning 15 starters. And as a unit, they were the best defensive team in the MAC last year with 43 sacks, and they only gave up 94.2 rushing yards per game. So thoughts on how we stack up against this Buffalo team next week? It's definitely an interesting matchup to start your season off against. Uh, obviously, it's a team that you haven't seen last year, so you don't have too much, you know, to look at. Obviously, it's a different team from 2018, but you know, you're looking at guys like Jared Patterson right off the bat, seven, almost 1,800 yards last year. You see a lot of run game with the Mac, and he's going to be a guy that this defense needs to stop right away. You know, two guys on offense as well. Kyle Van Trees at quarterback. He had a positive record last year. Antonio not on the offensive side as well. He's going to be a playmaker. The, the key thing there, 15 returning starters. It's an experienced group over there at Buffalo. We obviously know, uh, you know, we know of the Mac family. Uh, you know, they're pretty big here in Chicago, so. Uh, the best defensive team, obviously, that tradition holds up since Khalil Mack was there. 43 sacks last season. Just seems like anywhere Khalil Mack goes, your team is getting sacked. Hopefully it doesn't happen with this offensive line, but that Buffalo defense is going to be tough. Yeah, I'm not a math guy, so I'm going to bust out the calculator real quick. But if the stats are through the bowl game that they played in, they're averaging 3.3 sacks a game. So almost a sack a quarter. Fourth quarter or third quarter, maybe they're not getting one, but they're they're definitely finding a way for that defensive line 
and those blitzing linebackers to get home. So one thing leading into this first matchup this week, it's going to be important that the offensive line is able to stop that pass rush stop the defensive ends, just make sure that they can give Ross Bowers a clean pocket to throw from. And then on top of that, I mean, obviously, there's really not too much to go off of for those of you that don't know, but we haven't, you know, we have access for the most part to NIU. We haven't been out to or seen as much of a practice as we'd like to, but we have not really seen too much other than what we've seen in reports or what we were able to self-report on ourselves on these teams. So you got to bear with us on that. 43 sacks, I mean, returning 15 starters, Ethan, also, again, we're not math guys, but you can only start 22 people. So that's a pretty high rate to return players at. And then 94.2 yards per game. You know, there's a lot of college teams running between 150 and 200, upwards of 200, close to three if they're like a triple option team. So to hold a team under 100 yards consistently or to average that throughout an entire season is a very impressive note. Uh, Any wrap-up thoughts on, on Buffalo before we move on to Central Michigan? Like I said, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I think we've seen it in college football where teams start off slow, and I think it's just the first time you see a different opponent. You know, you're you're hitting yourself for how many weeks? It's going to be. I think it's going to be a low scoring game right off. It's it's just going to be a low scoring game. Week one, you haven't seen another team. Expect you know a messy football game, some penalties early, and I think it's just the nature of the ball. You and I both know exactly what I'm talking about. It's different when you're playing against another team and regardless of how many people are in the stands, it's, it's a completely different atmosphere when you're in a game. So I think it's going to be an interesting start. It's an interesting team to open up this six game sprint against and it's definitely going to be fun next week. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get into uh, the odds later in the episode, but Buffalo is the odds on favorite to win the Mac this year. So if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. What better way to start at the top against Buffalo? Uh, their second week matchup is up against Central Michigan. Central Michigan finished the season last year, eight and six. They were six and two in the Mac. They lost the Mac title to Miami of Ohio, and they are only returning 11 starters. They scored 38 or more in, in all of their Mac games last season. I thought that was a pretty interesting note. Yeah, they were definitely the powerhouse of the Mac. Uh, Jim McElwain, obviously coming in that last season. Uh, it's his second year here as well, so kind of a, the same trend with NIU. But all of a sudden, he, you know, he stepped in last year, and they started averaging, what, over 400 yards a game. So they've got a good passing attack. I think you're obviously going to get a lot of that coming out of week one. Obviously, it's the second week of the year. So it'll be interesting to see what Central Michigan does week one passing attack how good they look so definitely will be a task early for the secondary that'll be their first task I think Buffalo will be more prone to running the ball but obviously you're going to get your first passing attack there against Central Michigan that's what's going to stand out yeah and you know for key returners over there at Central Michigan you have running back Kobe Lewis who finished the season with 1,074 rushing yards last year Wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton, someone we've talked about on the pod, and who had a hell of a game last year against NIU. It was kind of absurd how how open he was getting. Uh, linebacker Troy Brown, who finished the season with 91 tackles in 2019. And then defensive end Laquan Johnson, six sacks in 2019. So like you said, I mean, Buffalo probably going to be a little bit of a run-heavy attack. You know, when you, whenever you have a running back or see a running back that finishes the season with 1,800 rushing yards, Damn near a yard short. Okay, give it to the kid. It, you're going to expect a heavy dose of him. It kind of reminds me a lot of last year when when we had to face Levante Bellamy down the stretch last season. Uh, but with Central Michigan, I think it's kind of like a revenge game, like you talked about. I mean, they lost 48 to 10 last year. Absolute beat down um, up against them at their home field. We got them at home this year. I think for that game, like you said, the secondary is probably going to have a very busy day. Going to have to lean on on the corners and the DBs to make some key plays down the stretch because, like you said, Jim McElwain comes from Florida. He has a power five pedigree. He's going to look to you know put as many points up on the scoreboard as he can. So it's it's going to be. Another interesting matchup, uh, like you said, Central Michigan was 1-11 two years ago, and they were 8-6 last year. So that's a team that has talent. They were just very poorly coached. They found their guy in Jim McElwain, and I would fully expect him to make the jump back to a Power 5 in a few years before it's all said and done. I couldn't put it better myself with the fact that this is probably the biggest revenge game of the season, other than outside of Toledo for the Ross Bowers effect. But this is a game where, like you said, they come into Husky Stadium, they come to DeKalb. You got to win this game. You need to, if at this point you're one and zero, like going two and zero and beating Central Michigan, a team that was able to dominate us last year, that will really set a tone for this team early. 
Obviously, we hope to go 1-0 and against Buffalo, but if you're able to start off 2-0 and after beating a Central Michigan team that is is really good, they're a pretty good favorite to uh, to win the MAC. I believe they were right in the middle, but either way, still a really good football team. That passing attack is dangerous, and it can be if the defense gives up early points, and I think that Central Michigan is a good opponent week two, but like I mentioned, if they were able to get past Buffalo and Central Michigan and go 2-0, and it's a good start for this team. Yeah, and I, and I mean, honestly, like as much as they have talented receivers and, and they have a lot of playmakers in space, they are a little under, uh, I guess you would say, experienced at the quarterback position. Their starting quarterback for this year will, will presumably be David Moore, who only started four games last season, and then he was suspended in, or after he tested positive for a banned substance. So kid that has a little bit of trouble off the field. We'll see, you know, what he brings to the table and what he brings to the field this year. But he has the keys to a Ferrari with the offense that he has and all the playmakers that he has in place. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with a full, well, not a full season's work, but at least this year's full season of work. Yeah, he's obviously coming back off that suspension. But in those games, he threw for 1,100 yards and five touchdowns. Another guy that can be thrown into the mix is a pro-style transfer coming from Sam Houston State in Texas. Ty Brock, he'll probably be thrown in the mix there as well. So expect David Moore, but Ty Brock coming from Sam Houston State probably uh, will have some some names thrown in the mix there as well. Following up the Central Michigan game, they're going to be going up against Ball State. Ball State finished the season 5-7. and seven. They finished the season 4-4 four and four in the MAC. They returned 16 starters. Some of those players include quarterback Drew Plitt, who threw for 24 touchdown passes last season and around 2,900 yards. Running back Caleb Huntley, who finished the season with 1,275 yards and 12 touchdowns. Linebacker Jalen Thomas, 97 tackles. Wide receiver Justin Hall, my name butch of the of the episode. My first name butch of the season, I guess you would say. Uh, Amichi Uzodinama, who is a defensive back, finished the season with 16 pass breakups. So he was getting at least one a game. He had five interceptions. But this was a defense as a whole that gave up 31.4 points per game and 424 yards of offense. So they have some good players. They just did not have a very good unit on defense. Thoughts on how we stack up against Ball State? And then obviously, like, you know, like you stated previously in the episode, it is another revenge game, a game that we lost last season. Yeah, and one of your one of the rivals, too, I think one of the biggest rivals. I really like Caleb Huntley at the running back spot for Ball State. He is a dangerous weapon for them. I think that if you can control him, you should be able to control the game. Drew Plitt's obviously a good quarterback as well, but I really think that this is a game that you should be able to beat Ball State in as well. Just going down the list here, I mean, this team is very capable of going 3-0 and because returning 16 is obviously a big number, but Ball State, I think, is just a team that we should have beaten last year and we're capable, again, of beating this year. Yeah, we let that one slip and slide away, no pun intended, in the uh, rain out here in DeKalb. I actually uh, remember, I think I want, was that the game that I tried to go back to that I just couldn't last? Correct, it was just, correct, correct. correct. Yep. So for our Husky fans, I took quite a slip and slide literally down the hill on the way back to the stadium. And I think I ruined a like $50 pair of jeans, just absolutely like modified them. They were absolutely destroyed. Yeah, it was not the prettiest of games, but also at the same time, were there ever pretty games at DeKalb last year? No, but I do have good news. Although Husky fans won't be able to be at the stadium, the game is going to be 62 degrees and sunny according to the weather app on my iPhone today. And that just makes me want to pour one out for having to deal with rain, sleet, or snow every game last season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully we get better weather this year, whether we're sitting out in the parking lot or sitting out on our with our back door open watching on ESPN. Just sitting there with it on mute with, uh, with, the, sta- with the stadium sounds in the background. Love to see it. I don't even know. Are they pumping in fake crowd noise for this? I, I would imagine so, but... If not, we must assemble a bunch of people with cars that can pump it in from from our parking lot. We'll have to get oh, everyone. Absolutely. We'll have to we'll have to just uh, set aside like five dollars for like twenty separate cars. Get everyone a parking pass. We'll be good. Yes, sir. Some pumped in crowd noise from the parking lot. Love to see it. So after Ball State, they play against Western Michigan. Western Michigan finished the season seven and six, five and three in the MAC. 
They returned 12 starters. They actually had a couple people picked up by the NFL. They were second in points defensively in the MAC last year. Some of the key players that they have for this season are running back Ladarius Jefferson, who is a Michigan State transfer, third in rushing on the team his sophomore year. Teron Coleman, who is a pit transfer. Defensive end Ali Fiad, who had 53 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, nine pressures, and four forced fumbles. Guy can fill up a stat sheet any which way he pleases. Wide receiver Sky Moore, who was the first all-MAC wide receiver selection as a freshman, finished with 51 receptions and 802 yards. As a team, they bring back a very experienced offensive line that only gives up 1.38 sacks per game uh, last season. And they have a really good middle linebacker in Treshawn Howard. Ethan, this guy had last season 142 tackles and 72 solos with 10 and a half tackles for loss. So an absolute tackling machine. Hey, but this is just another team that I think it, we're able to beat. We were able to beat them last year, the last game of the year. I remember you were on the sideline for it. That was a huge day for you as well. Just looking at this team, I think that this is probably the most dangerous team on the schedule. Obviously, you're talking about that experienced offensive line. Key to winning games is getting to the quarterback, and Western Michigan doesn't allow that. Trayshawn Howard, like you mentioned, 142 tackles. Just that number alone stands out. Western Michigan is going to be a tough task, but I know he was able to do it at home last year, and I think they're going to be able to do it again this year. Yeah, and one thing that I did not state, though, is uh, Western Michigan, the slated projected starter is sophomore Caleb Ellaby. They lost quarterback, uh, senior quarterback. Uh, John Wasenick last year, who passed for over 3,000 yards. So that is a huge loss for that Western Michigan team, regardless of how dependent they were on the running game. Obviously, losing a 3,000-yard quarterback in the college football level is going to be catastrophic to an organization if you don't have the ability to recruit and get another good quarterback or another quality quarterback in his position. But like you said, Ethan, a team that we beat last year, a team that, again, all the talking heads and all the suits on Twitter, in no way, shape, or form did they think we were going to win that game. And we sent our seniors all out on the right way. And honestly, not to like toot Western Michigan's horn, but that day is really how this whole podcast and all this coverage started. Like I said to you earlier when you were at the apartment, I just went to the game. Like I knew what I wanted to get into for a career and what, you know, we kind of had going on with Irish on tap. But if I could find an avenue or a way to get in over here at NIU, why not try it? Six, what is it? It's not, it's definitely more than six months down the road. We're about 11 months after, uh, but we've had, what, over 20 guests on the show, coaches, players, all included. So that, like you said, was a big day in my life. But another beatable opponent, another team that, you know, they actually only returned 12 starters and they lost a lot of their key players. Starting running back went on to, and is playing with the Denver Broncos. I'm not sure if John uh, Wasnick ended up going on to an NFL team, but again, a great college quarterback. Following up the Western Michigan game, they're going against Toledo. Like you and I have stated, kind of the Ross Bowers game, a team that we have bad blood with, a team that came after our quarterback, gave him a concussion in a completely unnecessary uh, moment in that game. And... They finished the season 6-6, six and 3-5 six, and five in the MAC. Some of the returning key players are Eli Peters. In his career, he has 2,665 yards and 24 touchdowns. And then at running back, Bryant Kobach, who was an all-MAC selection, 1,187 yards, 12 touchdowns. Wide receiver Bryce Mitchell, who had uh, 35 receptions, 679 yards, and four touchdowns last season. Defensive back Samuel Womack had 15 pass breakups. Uh, Jamal Hines over there, an edge rusher. Uh, with 101 career tackles, 17 and a half tackles for loss. And then Saeed Holt at the linebacker position with 74 tackles, 11 TFLs last season. And overall as a defense, another unit that has skilled players, but as a unit could not figure it out. They were giving up 475 yards per game and they were averaging 32 points per game against last season. So another defense that can definitely be had and someone that we beat last season as well. Yeah, I'm going to make this one simple. This is going to be the biggest game of the season for the offense. I think Ross Bowers is going to come out. I I'm, I know I call it a lot for Notre Dame. I think that's going to be Ross Bowers' uh, 300 for three game. I'm going to call that one right now. So when we you know we're going up against Toledo and Ross Bowers has his day, I'm going to look back on this podcast at this moment and say that. But I'm going to keep it simple. I know he's going to blow out Toledo this year. I love it. Yeah, honestly, we don't swear on this podcast, but Tuck Toledo. However, you want to say it. Don't like them. Don't like what they stand for. Uh, Jason Candle, like shit canned his whole staff, fired almost everyone. So absolutely would love to see a beatdown of Toledo. We got them at home this year. And then to close out the season, uh, another revenge game too. I mean, Eastern Michigan really put it on us at home last year. 
Uh, we'll call it the, this one's the Braden Patton game, you know, with uh, with Braden Patton's dad over there at Eastern Michigan as a coach. We got Braden over here. But Eastern Michigan finished the season at six and seven. They lost a heartbreaker against Pitt in the bowl game that they played in. I think it was the Quick Lane Bowl. We're winning like the entire game and blew it at the end. And there was a little extracurricular at the end. I think there was a fight towards the end of that game. But uh, Eastern Michigan finished the season at three and five. Another team that lost a lot at quarterback. Quarterback Mike Glass graduated. So their leading uh, quarterback going into the season is quarterback Preston Hutchinson, who has 357 career passing yards. Uh, he has a quality receiver in wide receiver Quayne Williams. Ethan, it took till the sixth game of the season for me to put a punter on here, but I did. Jake Julian, eight yards per punt last year in 2019 which is a good good average for a college punter. Defensive back, they have a couple studs in Freddie McGee and Blake Bogan. And then at linebacker, Terry Mack. This is a team that lost a lot of experience. They are only returning 12 starters as well. Thoughts on Eastern Michigan? Anytime that you put a punter on their player to watch, I mean, that's just a dangerous team. So hell of a punter with Jake Julian. What a name. Two first name punter. I mean, that's that's <laughs> unique. I mean, you got to be scared of You got to be Rick- scared of that. The Ricky Bobby of football. Yeah, oh my God, you got to be scared of that. If you're not first, you're last. I mean, come on. So, no, I, I think, look, realistically, I know we're going to get into the predictions and stuff, but NIU has such a strong chance of going 6-0 and this year. It's not even funny. I love the energy. I love the thought process. And, yeah, Eastern Michigan, by every stretch and every uh, analytical breakdown, is a team that lost a lot in key positions and a team that can definitely be expected to be a little bit down on their luck this year. We talked about it earlier in the episode as Buffalo being the odds-on favorite to win the MAC. Odds are courtesy of the Action Network. And again, before we get into this, we shall remind you that betting on Illinois college football or basketball teams is illegal in the state of Illinois. But if you live in another state that it is legal to do so, or feel you may want to place a bet on any of the other teams, here are the 2020 MAC championship odds. Buffalo is plus 250. Watch for uh, gambling perspective is. to win 250. Ohio is at plus 350 in second. Miami of Ohio is at plus 600 on third. And they're actually tied with Western Michigan and Toledo, who all have shared odds at plus 600. Central Michigan at plus 900. Ball State at plus 900. Our Huskies at plus 1,400, which means if hypothetically you lived in a state where you could do it, you would win $1,400 if the Huskies took care of business. Kent State is at plus 2,000. Eastern Michigan kind of goes with what I just said. They're at plus 5,000. So the bookmakers have them falling real far off. And then the two absolute longest of all shots, they share the same odds at plus 10,000 are Bowling Green and Akron, teams that both had real down years last year. Ethan, if you were going to pick a team to win the MAC and it was not NIU, who would it be and why? I would have to say it's going to be the favorite in Buffalo. I think despite hopefully an early loss in week one. I think they're able to recover from that. There's a lot of dangerous teams here going down the list, but I think one thing to look at is just how many teams are near the top of that that aren't on our schedule. I mean, we don't play Ohio. We don't see Miami of Ohio. Obviously, we go in and we see those those plus 600 teams with Western Michigan, Toledo, and then we got the plus 900 teams. But outside of Buffalo, I mean, we've got a strong chance. I mean, we've got a pretty even chance to get that done. And I think realistically outside of NIU I think Buffalo is going to be a really good opponent week one like I said they're going to be a tough task early in the season but it will be a challenge early but it'll it'll be good for them to get those mistakes out against them early and hopefully get to see them again in the MAC title game yeah and I think you know at least uh, from this measurement of the MAC conference they like you said I think that's a very good point they're playing uh not playing the top two teams but they're playing kind of the middle of the road teams as far as the betting odds go. And and honestly, looking at this, I think Western Michigan's kind of overvalued at the price that they're at. But if I had to pick a team and I'm going to go hot take beat on, I think Central Michigan may have like the best bang for their buck with the value being way higher than the Buffalo pick. And that's a team that, like you said earlier, Ethan, with the coach they have and Jim McElwain, someone who coached at Florida, has that pedigree and the weapons that they have on that offense. It really comes down to their quarterback play and how they're able to get that offense going. But this NIU show. As far as we're concerned, NIU is winning the MAC. We just thought that we should put that out there. And, and then again, too, like I said, it is illegal to bet on Illinois teams. So for those that don't know, Illinois, Northwestern, Northern Illinois, all those teams out of the equation. So you can only place your wagers on teams from out of state. But enough of that. Ethan, who do you have on offense and defense as your players to watch for this season? 
I think it's two names that we've definitely talked about a lot over the offseason, two names that we've had on the show during the offseason. Ross Bowers, Dylan Thomas. I love the energy Dylan Thomas brought to the podcast. He's going to lead that defense out there. Ross Bowers, same thing. You can't go against the guy. You can't go against the future dad. He's going to lead this offense out there. Two very good leaders on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Also very good playmakers. They're going to lead the charge this season. Those are my players. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball, and I am going to go with Javion Ducker. I think in an interesting year where there's only six games and with him being, you know, Mr. Kansas, the Kansas Player of the Year, I I think it's like the Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year. I'm definitely going to have to look that up. I apologize, Mr. Ducker. Uh, But someone who has extreme promise and in this shortened year where it's almost a freebie, especially for an underclassman where they can get, you know, a a year of playing time and not lose a year of eligibility, I would expect Coach Hammock to fully take advantage of that. And we'll really get a good look at how he'll fit into this offense moving forward. And then on the defense, defensive side of the ball it's going to be a homer pick but I'm going Kyle Pugh I mean Kyle Pugh similar to Ross Bowers is going to be one of the most important parts on that defense he shares up the middle of the field in his sixth year here at NIU that guy has been through battles that not that many football players have been through he's literally been to hell and back so there is nothing in my mind that can break this guy down I am extremely happy that he's back with us for this year and I full-on expect him to have a transcending season. And if this is his last year as a Husky, I fully expect it to be enough to land him on an NFL roster next year. Yeah, absolutely. I love those picks. I mean, I think all the way around, you can't really sing. You can really single out one player on each side because just how dangerous this team is going to be this season and how dangerous this team is going to be going forward. That's what I love about this Huskies football team. All right, so I'm going to make it even harder on you. Pick one. Who's your preseason pick for the team MVP? I'm sticking with my defensive guy. It's going to be Dylan Thomas. He's just His name has been brought up by all of the coaches across the board. It's a name that's going to be brought up on all the ESPN broadcasts this season. It's going to be a name that's going to be brought up in all of our post-game and pre-game articles, podcasts, all of that. I'm thinking he's going to be the favorite. I would put my money responsibly and you know legally, if I could, on Dylan Thomas to uh, win the MVP of this year. Yeah, I was going to say responsibly and legally. These are not real bets. These are just us talking about it. And these are questions that we ask our very guests. So I figured I would, I we, would bet I would bet doing the dishes in our apartment on Dylan Thomas winning MVP <laughs> of the team this season. Bro, those dishes pile up quick. So this is a pretty hefty bet. But for my preseason pick for MVP, it's it's actually going to be neither of the players that I listed. It's going to be Ross Bowers. I think ultimately this team goes as far as Ross Bowers will take it. I think this year is a year that Ross has to, similar to Kyle Pugh, prove to NFL scouts if that's what he would like to do with his with his career that he can play on the next level and I think Ross Bowers is someone who can make all the throws he has the poise and composure to play high at the college level we've seen it here at NIU obviously he didn't have a full season to compete in last year with some of the injuries but in a shortened season I full-on expect him to be the leader on the field in the locker room and just around the Cheswick with this team and I mean it's going to parlay me into my record prediction a MAC championship. Ethan, what do you have for a record prediction and how do you have the season finishing out? You take the words right out of my mouth. I think that there is such an expectation and really just a big opportunity for this team to go 6-0 and or 5-1 and this season. I think the schedule is in our favor. I think the, the depth and the experience together will lead this team to a very successful season. Coach Hammock is the man in charge here. He knows what he's doing. He's got the guys and talent to be successful this season, and this six-game sprint is going to be exactly that for this NIU team, but I do think it's going to be a very successful one this season. Yeah, I think the absolute floor for this team is 4-2. and One thing I did not mention, but the projected win total or the bettable win total on Northern Illinois would have been 2.5 or is 2.5 in legal states. So they really only had them projected to win two or three games, which I think is absolutely laughable. I have them finishing the season either 5-1 and or 4-2. and And like we said, this is a season to get this program back on track and prove that Coach Hammock is the coach to be here at NIU and someone that we can build our program and its culture around but let's get into these uh, these twitter fan questions and these facebook fan questions and then we'll go ahead and ride out and we'll get ready for buffalo week game week first question from our guy andrew zimmer 15 how many beers will be deleted november 4th 
That's a tough question. I think it really depends on uh, what our plans are. I know I don't have class. I work in the morning, but I mean, hey, it's never too early to start drinking on game day, regardless of whether it be a Wednesday, whether it be a Monday, it could be a Saturday. I would, you know, like if I could start drinking at 8 a.m., I would, but you know, hey, we got to be responsible. We got to. I was gonna say. I was gonna say responsibly, responsibly, responsibly. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, unfortunately, Zimmer, zero beers will be deleted November 4th pregame because your guy and your other guy, Brandon and Ethan, will be in the building for the game. We will be at Husky Stadium covering the game for the podcast, for the website, for our brand, just uh, trying to really learn the ropes of this media world. So that's something we wanted to wait to tip our cap on until the end of the episode. But zero beers will be deleted pregame. Maybe a celebratory beer when we get home and, you know, we get the article and the podcast done after the game. But we are out there to work on the fourth and we couldn't be more excited about it. Ethan, any thoughts on that? Hey, I'm just ready for game day, baby. It's one week away. Like I said, we're at this time, one week from now, we're going to be celebrating our first dub, regardless of what the weather will be like. It should be warm. I'm hoping it's warm, but either way, we're going to be 1-0 one, one week from today. 1-0 and every week, baby, and it starts next week against Buffalo. We have another question from Twitter, uh, one you know, one from the thread that we posted today. So shout out to our guy, Eddie Endorse, big in the esports world. He said, since last season was a building season, how much pressure is there this year to perform well and possibly to make it to the MAC championship? I think there's a lot of pressure this season. I mean, not only is it a shortened season, but you're really going to find out what this team has going forward. There's a lot of young talent on this team, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. I think last year obviously was a building year, but I think this year is really the building year. You lost a lot of guys. You're you're essentially rebuilding at a lot of positions that you lost that talent at. I think, if, like I said, if there's a building year, it's this year. And I think that if there's a, a really good opportunity for there to be a building year for this team, it is this year with the shortened six-game season. You've been working all off season. You've been virtually working. You've been with the team now for however many weeks they've been on the field there. So six games. I think this is really the building year for hopefully a full 2021 season. I really think 2020 will be the building year for this team. Yeah, it's almost, you know, it's a freebie year. It's a year on the NCAA where you get your players for an extra year on the tail end of it and a year that you can still compete for your conference's title. So I think the pressure, while it is high, I think Coach Hammock does a very good job at keeping his guys at bay. I mean, just look at how the program handled the pandemic, the entire quarantine and pandemic situation. Just look at how they handled it as a program. I think this is a team that is absolutely ready for anything and everything that comes their way this season. Yeah, and I know that actually leads perfectly into the next question, and it leads into my answer because you basically just took it. So I'll let you introduce the next question, and I'll back off your answer with this one. Oh, yeah. So from our guy, Nick Bonescu on Facebook, or what will be the biggest challenges all Huskies team face, all Huskies teams face when they start their season? So this is a a sport wide question for every Husky team that will be competing in sports during this coronavirus year. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, you you pretty much just nailed it with the fact that this entire program and this really the entire athletic department itself has handled so well since the beginning. They you know, we were When it started, we were about to tip off what the MAC tournament and talk about how well this basketball team was going to make a run and hopefully make a tournament run. But at the end of the day, it didn't work out that way. And and a lot of things have changed. But I think one thing, and we've seen it with Wisconsin football this past week, is just, you know, making sure that these guys are staying healthy and testing negative and making sure that the testing every day is is happening and, and that you know, we've seen the athletes out working every day at NIU. The medical staff at NIU is working hard every day to keep those athletes and our student athletes healthy. And as long as they're doing that every day, we should be good. Absolutely. Everybody in that program has been working around the clock to make sure that our athletes are in a safe spot and ready to get back out there on the field for their respective seasons. We have another question from Eric Albright on Facebook. Uh, he said, have any players besides Jordan Nettles opted out for this season? I don't believe so. I think he was the only one so far. I think I just pulled up the roster the other day, and he was the only one listed as an opt-out. Yeah, I also did not find any players that opted out, or I have not seen any articles or any information, press releases or anything like that, that stated that uh, any other players other than Jordan Nettles will be sitting out this season. I have not heard if he'll be back with the program next year, but Jordan Nettles is someone that I actually shared the classroom with. So, uh, you know, whatever he does next, if he comes back to NIU, if he transfers out, 
I wish him nothing but the best, but fully understanding of his his option to opt out for this season, and I fully support it. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen a lot of NFL players do it as well, and a lot of their teammates have been in full support of them opting out of the season. And I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but you can't bash a college athlete, a college student athlete for opting out for health reasons. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to get into it, but that's my take on it. And then our last question of the show is Scott Pritikin on Facebook asked, is Ross Powers still the starting quarterback? Absolutely. He is. He is going to lead this team to a MAC championship, 6-0, and 5-1, like I said. Either way, he is going to be the man in charge of this offense. I mean, hey, we saw him on the mic today. If you haven't checked out that Twitter video, I highly suggest you check it out. He's, I mean, we had him on the podcast. Great listen. Check that out, too. But, man, there's no other guy that I would want controlling this offense than him. Cooler than the other side of the pillow. I mean, nothing phases the guy. He is a great leader. He is, I mean, like you said, they had him mic'd up at practice. I believe it was today or yesterday. And the video is just awesome. He was hanging out with Marquise Cox or Marcus Cox. He called him Antonio Gates, but thicker. I was dying, bro. That whole video is money. And uh, he actually has a new blog series or a vlog series, you know, just kind of documenting what it's like to be a D1 quarterback, especially during this year and through his his crazy busy schedule. But one thing that I want to say that's important, not on the topic of Ross, is Coach Hammock's ability to bring in quarterbacks with experience to back Ross up if Ross is to get injured this year. I think there is, you know, that has gone really undervalued and understated throughout this offseason is the ability to find two quarterbacks that have both played at the college level that, you know, if for some reason Ross goes down or is unable to play, obviously too, I mean, we haven't even talked about it. I mean, players could go out with COVID at any time. So, and that's something that I'm going to go out on this podcast and say, we will not report on any players that have COVID or anything related to that. That is not our news. That is not our business. It is what it is. You're going to have to get that news somewhere else because a lot of these guys are people that we know and we care about. So that is not news you're going to find here, but something to keep in mind, especially in this crazy year, if you don't see someone out there on the sideline in a specific week. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the worst case. We hope that nothing happens. The medical staff's been working hard and these guys are safe so far. So we just hope that these six games are played healthy and, and all of our players are safe at the end. Yes, and that's one thing, too, that we have not brought up. But in order to get to Saturday or to Wednesday or whenever the game you know takes care of, it's up to the program and the players and the coaches and everyone in it to remain you know responsible, continue to follow the protocols that they've been following so closely and, and successfully up to this point. Reported no cases or anything. And, you know, NIU as a school – we have had our cases, so it's great to see that Coach Hammock has his quote-unquote bubble going. He's taking care of everyone. Everyone uh, is getting through practice and, and training camp and all this stuff. And now we're a week away from Buffalo. Ethan, do you have any wrap-up thoughts for our listeners? Hey, the road to 6-0 and starts next week. 1-0 and each week It starts with Buffalo. I can't wait to get going. We'll talk Buffalo after the game, but, man, let's just get the next Wednesday. Absolutely. I mean, starts next week. 1-0 and against Buffalo. Ethan, like I said earlier, we're going to be out there. Stay tuned to the Huskies on Tap Twitter page. We're going to look to get videos during the game out. Maybe we'll do, you know, quarters or halftime reports from the game. Just kind of keep you guys updated with everything that's going on, everything that we see, everything that we hear. I've only had one, you know, press pass ever in my life at a football game. And from what I remember, they were on it. They had, you know, I had stat sheets in front of me. I had the, the whole roster for both teams, all that stuff. So it'll be probably be a little bit different this year. I would assume that we are going to be spread out somewhere throughout the stadium. But a special shout out to our people over there at NIU Athletics. Uh, Donna Turner, is especially, first and foremost, uh, just for being so welcoming of us and approving our media passes, because this was a big step for us as a company. There's going to be some changes here in the future. Uh, we're going to be switching to a two-show-a-week format. We're going to be previewing the game and doing a post-game. I cannot guarantee that there will be a guest on every episode, but we will still try to sprinkle in as many guests as possible. But the season is here. Ethan, do you have any final, final thoughts before we wrap up? I apologize. I had to bring it back for you. I don't. Let's go, Huskies, baby. We're 1-0 and each week. 1-0 and each week. It starts next week. This was Huskies on Tap presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. Stay tuned for future podcasts like this. And if you like the content that you hear, follow my guy on Twitter at Ethan Wiles. I can be found at BDON300 and all of our work can either be found at the On Tap Sportsnet or at Huskies on Tap. And then the entire website is www.ontapsportsnet.com. I got nothing else. I don't even want to talk anymore. I literally just want to wake up and it be next Wednesday. 
Go Huskies. They're going to win by a thousand. Yeah. I got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. 12 put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in heart away.